ingrained in my childhood. It's one of my earliest memories, which is the Dragon Falls. Well, you're getting lo loads of info, uh, like inside that information, which I've never told anybody, you know that. Don't look down. Welcome. Hello and welcome back to the Don't Look Down podcast. Today we have an incredible, incredible guest. It's actually two guests as well. Um, it's Aidan Hines and Sean Hines um, from Sculpture Studios, who've done a lot of theming works for all sorts of themed attractions, theatre and theme parks um, all across the UK. And it's amazing to see all this work. So we're going to get um, into it. So for the viewers that don't particularly know, um, what, what is it that you do in terms of your studio? Well, we're commercial sculptors, so what we actually do is designers will come to us and they say, and they would either invite us down to their space or theme park and they would give us a concept drawing and say, this is the kind of thing we're after and this is the budget and this is the scale. And then I normally go away and I would make a small, is it working model in plasticine or clay and they call that a maquette. And we make all the changes to that one maquette until we're all happy with it and then once I've, we've all agreed with that particular maquette and then I can go ahead and proceed to make the big one. Uh, so what is your construction just generally what's your construction process like? Well generally we tend to work with polystyrene most that's kind of your favoured medium yeah. to carve from or at least the most enjoyable one because it's a relatively lightweight material that we can move around the studio easy, carve easily um, individually things can be taken away, added back on, whereas if you're carving from stone, for example, you obviously can't do that. Um, and then from the polystyrene model, the master pattern, we call it, depending on what the person's using the sculpture for, we either create a, a fiberglass mold and then reproduce casts from it in fiberglass, or we give it what's known as a blanket coat if it's only gonna be a one-off sculpture, um, or, or sometimes we leave things in purely polystyrene if it's only something that's gonna be used for a day or so. So um, generally speaking, polystyrene and glass fibre. In terms of um, how long it takes from kind of the first design to the final build, how long does it usually take to, uh, to build these? Uh, well, it, it, it all differs it, it, because you can be looking at the, like the dragon from Chessington yeah. and that would take something like 10 weeks to start uh, and, and finish. Um, but often the design process could take that long like on its own. And, oh, and that's okay. often the longer part, the actual like, sorting out the problems and and, and yeah. the sizes and and how it's going to be transported and lowered and timing but the actual build itself like isn't too long um, but each job is like is it's individual really like it's on the, the kind of the size of the project yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah i mean yeah. generally speaking for something kind of like a large theme park piece something between like five and ten weeks but that's when we've got control of the actual build. And as Aidan said, it's usually all the other elements that are involved, the installation, the design, things that are a little bit out of our control that tend to, to bump the timing up. So it all depends on how quick yeah. the client actually wants it and, uh, and can get all those designs over to us. But, but the best thing is, like, that's why we like to make a maquette, because often if you don't make a maquette, the designer will come back halfway through your build and say, can we just, and another eye. But if you're yeah. your maquette, it's agreed. It's locked in. It's locked. You know, it's good. Uh, fair enough. So moving on to the first project uh, in particular, uh, which is one ingrained in my childhood. It's one of my earliest memories, which is the Dragon Falls, as you can see in Robber. That's a brilliant photo of the whole area. Where did the sort of construction process, or not the construction, where did the project start? Who 
the plans and the models and you know how did that get introduced to you um, yeah I got a call from Chessington and there was a Roger Black is, uh, and he was the head designer uh, and he contacted me and said like can I come up to the space and have a look at their drawings and, and like and have a, an informal interview and, and yeah. I told him well, what I could and couldn't do and he gave me the drawings they said okay well first of all well, what, well, what I'd like you to do is price the job up and tell me exactly how it's going to be constructed. So I went home, spent a couple of days, we'll be thinking about the cost and the design and where I'm going to build it as well. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you've won the project, look, go ahead. Win-win. Nice. Oh, yes, this is There's brilliant. There's so much I can contribute to that because I think I'm only a couple of years older than you guys anyway. <laughs> I would have been barely, barely born when these were being created, so they're some uh, of my earliest memories as well. Uh, Mind right. you, I've got four boys and every time they went on a school trip to Chessington, they, like they used to be called a liar because they used to say, oh, my dad, my dad, my dad. <laughs> and they got called liars all the time. That yeah. is fantastic. That's I can imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a big project. And um, as someone said in our, we've asked some viewers to sort of give us some questions later, but it is such a memory for so many people. Impact. And that is, that is what it is with the original vision of Chessington. It wasn't just a ride. It was an experience. The ride is only to get you through the show, which is created by the props and the music and the scenery, which is incredible uh, to see. That's so great. am I right in saying your involvement was a project with the faces and the dragon head? Did you yeah. do what else? I made the faces yeah. and the dragon head, yeah. And the dragon head, yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, the idea of them faces was that they were, in, like, in order to keep the cost down, we made them both from the same mould. And then okay. within, within the sculpture, we put big lumps of clay so we could break them down so it looked as if they were individual. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the broken areas in the face, they're meant to be big pockets and they put plants and ivy so it looked as if it's overgrown and you hardly see the face at all. Oh, but I'm not sure if they did that a lot. But... It definitely fitted that um, temple, lost temple type, uh, uh, obviously Mr. Keast mm. vibe that the whole area was portraying. And I think that was a... Uh, like that was the main centerpiece of the area, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, so the construction process for the Buddha heads uh, on the side of the drop, uh, what was that like and how were they sort of constructed? It's kind of very modular, isn't it? For a lot of these larger sculptures, I mean, A, it helps with this kind of sculpture because there's natural break lines in all of the brickwork. But generally, even when it comes down to a small maquette, Aidan will make the in kind of uh, miniature inch, which will be foot layers um, and construct them kept that way and that gives him a, an early indication of how he's going to break down the full size model as well so in, in terms of the Buddha heads they're all naturally broken down into individual layers it's carved as one piece then split into those layers and that way it breaks down for transportation it adds to the the brick aesthetic and uh, it can all be constructed as such as brickwork on site. I mean it does look fantastic and I mean Constructing them wise, how were they constructed? Um, I've seen a few of the construction photos from your videos and some other from that press day. Uh, I think it was the press day when they had it wasn't completely constructed yet. The whole park was sort of still under construction and you could sort of see the sort of internal structure with that. How was that put together? Yeah, uh, what, what, my part are just big panels for the front on the facade, but uh -huh. behind they put up scaffolding and they, and they locked it all back to the scaffold. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing was, like, well, they wasn't sure if they was going to use it for like two years, but they ended up staying up there for about 25 years. <laughs> yeah. So I they're think not that, 
it was fantastic, you know. Yeah, because that yeah, was yeah. age anyway, so it went down well. Yeah, because what I've understanding the original park was built on an incredible budget. Obviously, it's been inflated over the years in terms of price, but how the whole park was sort of created. Obviously, it had the the runaway ride as well. How it had all the rock works and caverns and this ride with all its different intricate elements and how they were built not not to last I and mean, they did last incredibly well um in the end there, there was no point where i where we looked at that and went that looks tired it did last uh, incredible but how it was constructed in a way that it was supposed to be replenished and replaced and i think mm. the fact that your the models all the models lasted really really well for their time I, yeah i think that's the good thing about class fiber you know they make boats out of glass fibre, so it's used to being outside and the heat yeah. and the cold and it's good. And quite often we go a little bit above and beyond anyway. For argument's sake, we made something a couple of weeks ago where we weren't quite sure how long they were going to use it for or how durable it needed to be. So we went that kind of extra mile so that it's kind of ready for anything, if that makes sense. So it was similar yeah. with, uh, with the Buddha heads, two years or twenty right. years. We wanted yeah. to make sure if it's going to last, it's going to last. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not very sure that's good for business. But on the other <laughs> hand, it's good for us because we're, like, well, we're confident it's going to stay, mm. and it's not going to. It's well, it's man enough for the job, really. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the dragon head was the other major part of the ride element that you worked on, and that was the entrance and sort of the tunnel that you went through, mm. that you worked on. So again, yeah. where did the project start with that and the models? I know it's pretty similar, but yeah, where did that project start? Well, they wasn't sure well, what they wanted to do, but, but they needed an entrance just as you come down from the drop, you know, like the very first drop. So they, they thought of this mouth and just the big teeth and we, well, how about it becomes a dragon, then you can use the rock formation to include it to make it even look, you know, like 100 foot long. Um, yeah. But, well, there was problems because when we had to think of claustrophobia because people going into tunnels. Yeah. Teenagers stand up and try and smack the teeth and they'll crack their head, so we had to make it a certain height. And we know the canine teeth on the side, they were going to hold on to. So we put a slight bit of sand and sharp sand, so when they hold on to it, they immediately let go. And made sure oh, the two yeah. front teeth joined together so scaffold bars could go through for extra rigidity so that there weren't just hanging teeth and protruding teeth that were sitting just on their own. We made sure that um, we made sure, Ada made sure that they, um, they touched for, for a bit of strength. But, but we know it would have stayed there because they wanted the canine teeth separate. But we put them together so you can put the bar up because we know after a year or two that front lip is going to fall. So yeah. So made a complete cage and it, it retains its form. That's yeah. fantastic thinking ahead as well with yeah. that. Thinking of all the different elements, what could happen and how to construct that mm. as well, which is incredible. You yeah. also worked on Ramesses' Revenge. So what did you do for that? And um, kind of where did that start? What did you start with? Presumably the, yeah. the polystyrene models. Yeah. But... Like someone try and find it. But they had, it was quite a sort of dull ride. Uh, and yeah. we had a few big signs saying like Ramesses' Revenge. Like, and also yeah. had two big snakes that wrap around the columns up towards it. It's like a pyramid. And yeah. we make two giant snakes or cobras that, that would bite the, the people as it were. And yeah. After yeah. about two or three years, and they changed yeah. the concept a little bit. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's that's great. Those were some of the snakes. Yeah. Oh, they look great. Polystyrene form, and then obviously finished in glass fibre to wrap around the columns. Nice. And a fiberglass sign at the back, which yeah. said the Ramesses Revenge ride, which sat on the back wall, 
um, on, on a kind of rock face as well. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, uh, your studios itself has got a brilliant YouTube channel with all the different projects broken down um, into detail. And that's one of the ways I found you um, and your incredible work. So I will link link that below. So do check that out if, you, if you've not already subscribed. Um, so that's brilliant. And now nowadays um, we kind of specifically film in order to create the videos. All yeah. the other projects, for argument's sake, the Chessons, and that was kind of just taken from a an old VHS home video, which I've kind of resurrected a little bit and brought brought into the the modern media. Um, so we're kind of only working with what footage Aiden took as kind of like just a reference at the time. That's but now cool. we've got over 300 videos and we deliberately try and film everything so oh, that people great. can keep up to date with what we've been making. Mm. Thank you, know, you so much for doing that nice. as well, making mm. this video originally. It's such That's a great awesome. archive and collection of what the, how the park in construction. It's kind of organised um, up there. That's what we like about it, I yeah. think. Yeah. Sticking with Ramesses then, uh, in terms of construction from the process where the park chose you, to do the job to installing uh, the snakes and all the different things. How long did that take from start to finish? Um, from start to finish, from seeing the concept drawings on the snakes, it took about, I would have said, about 10 weeks in total. And that includes the sign as well, because uh, we did simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. That was for the two, the two signs on yes. the entrance and the backdrop as well, That's it. which were amazing. Uh, so moving on to another ride you did, uh, which was the retheme of the previous juggle attraction to become Rodeo. Um, and you worked on the centerpiece structure for that, um, which was the, the horse, the man on the horse. So do you want to tell us the, the, the Rodeo, actually? <laughs> That's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, you worked on the main structure. Now, we got invited up to um, the two swords group. And there was a few in the interview room, myself and about three other sculptors and painters, uh, and they talked to us all and they decided that I was best to create the rodeo ride uh, and, the, and the horseman. Uh, so we, we, we actually carved it from polystyrene uh, and we finished it in glass fibre. But just yeah. before the end, they told us it was going to be spinning, which we never knew. So therefore, we, we had to cut the whole thing in half, rip okay. out the polystyrene and put an internal structural metalwork and then re and rejoin it again. So what was the work that you had to revise to make it? able to be able to spin with the attraction uh, it, it was the internal metal work frame so for argument's sake we we even when they said it's going to be rotating we thought it would just be on a slow turntable in the middle of an attraction yeah and then they <laughs> it up and it's whipping around so <laughs> the fact that the guy is leaning back it needs to be structurally sound so it purely doesn't topple over and someone can't grab mm. hold of one of his boots in the air that sort of thing yeah so it's just trying to trying to compensate for every eventuality that you're thinking is going to happen. But poly had to be taken out, a hole cut in the side like a trapdoor, metalwork frame welded inside, then the whole thing put back together and re-seamed and then repainted. It's purely for the safety, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you involved in the sort of construction of putting that into place on the ride? No, it's, it's quite nice in a way. Like, well, I will build what I, uh, I do in my workshop, invite them down to sign it off, and we and, and we just make sure it gets there in one piece. As soon as it's in it's been in their park, it's up to them to use cranes or manpower or help. It's oh, up right. to them now. It's out. It's out of my uh, jurisdiction, and yeah. and then they look after it. If they drop, How, it's their problem. Yeah. Or do they come to you for? I don't know. Let's say if there's any like slight changes, such as removing parts of the the polystyrene, if you haven't already done that, can they do that, or is it you just say no? We've sent it off to you. 
Um, well, is it sometimes that they still come up across the metalwork beams and they say, is it possible to cut some bits out? And, uh, and we say, yeah, we'll be up the next day and we'll oh, remove right. it ourselves because we know well, what we're touching instead of them. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's better that we actually take control of it and finish yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and for those who don't know, this uh, centerpiece, obviously Rodeo closed down around 2005, I believe it was, and the centerpiece was moved to the Vampire roller coaster. Mm. Just before you're going up that second sort of lift hill on, on the ride, you can see it to the left-hand side, and that's a brilliant way of... Um, I know Aidan and um, Sean said earlier how they sort of reused it and how it was built to be able to last and be able to reuse and repaint it. Um, so, yeah, you can spot that today. It's still there, which is brilliant that they were able to reuse it. I think the cowboy's head might be chopped off. He's a headless huntsman now or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just nice to see something rethemed and uh, and still there in the park. Reused, yeah. Yeah, you also worked on Circus World. Uh, how much did you do for that? And kind of, again, construction process, how did it you go? Know, I almost forgot about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, they had um, a merry-go-round, one of those traditional up-and-down horse ones, uh, yeah. and they wanted us to build out a leaning... Um, Cowling almost, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like um, a big facade for, uh, around the top, but they need it leaning, and they wanted it painted up all old English uh, like fairground colours. Uh, did yeah. it 3D, they just didn't want it painted or artwork. They, want, like, they wanted it some sort of step to the whole thing. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, and was that was that the one in that was the one in Circus World? And did you do the painting on it and stuff? Yeah, like we finished a whole lot, so it looked oh, good. That's, yeah. that, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and I believe that was I don't know which part. I don't know because it was I think it was later moved and then it became and they did all paintings of all the different rides on there. Oh right. Oh, I don't, I, I don't know, but I, I I know that somebody painted the internal. Um, lettering. Yeah. Well, the well, lettering plus the, the there were some ovals on there, and they had they had some like, images. Yeah. Fashion images, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I believe that was it, and uh, that lasted as well really well. It only closed around 2016, I believe, is when they the attraction came to its end of mechanical life, and they got uh, a big tree one now, which is very different. Uh, but yeah, that must have been incredible process. It's amazing how they contract all this to you and how you sculpted all these separate pieces. It just really makes you appreciate the details on an attraction. Yes. So very different projects as well, because things like the Buddha faces and the dragon and the rodeo horse are very much kind of carved, um, more artistic, sculptural, yeah. whereas things like the cowlings that go around the merry-go-round, there's a lot of thought that goes into it of, We've got to get that double curve of going around the outside as well as leaning out, and then it's a um, a mould and replication process. Obviously, we've got to make sure it all fits together, it can all bolt together on site. So it's much more of a mathematical process rather than sculptural. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's, it's such a brilliant detail, and I think it really makes you look at something um, and, and really think about the amount of work that's gone into that and how it's really immersed you into that environment that the attraction is trying to create. Which is amazing. Well, I'm always surprised that people think that you just grab these things off the shelf and, and they they yeah. appear. <laughs> but, but it's people like yourself who goes around and, and, and really appreciate things. You look at things a bit more depth than just a sightseer, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, everything's got so it's much incredible. history to it. 
Yeah, because I mean, where could you get two giant butter faces off the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And right here. Right yeah, right here. there. Sculpture right Studios. There. <laughs> uh, which is fantastic. So we have a couple of questions we've asked on Instagram, Facebook um, for people. And we've chosen four here um, to use. Um, one of them was, were you happy with the end result of the Dragon Fool's work? Yes, yeah, I was. It's a little bit... Um, is it on the faces? I thought that they was going to be like initially dressed up like really well with big pockets of ivory, so they looked very old to start with, and that's why we broke them down differently. Um, but when the, the ride first opened, they were very clean. And when I went, I obviously I went up to see it all built, and I was think, oh, it wasn't designed like that. It was meant to be quite hidden, already ancient, if that makes sense. Yeah, and over, and over the years, the vines did naturally grow up it, and I think that yeah. vision came to life which is amazing yeah uh, as well you developed with age i think yeah i think yeah. that's that's a really good thing as as much as the attraction this is the one from opening year that robert's got in the background mm. um cool but already it looks aged and weathered and fits in beautifully into the set of the ride which is brilliant yes another question we've got here were there any other designs for the theming uh, and if so how different to what we got in 1987 uh, were there any initial uh, kind of designs for the dragons and stuff that got changed or? Uh, well, initially, like there was just going to have a big rock with a mouth. Um, All right. And, and, and then we developed it so it, because they needed to cover a bigger area. And, we, and yeah. then it, it, it slowly morphed into the dragon and it got bigger and bigger, the dragon's head anyway. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. and, and, and then they started to include all that walkway rock around the side. So we had the body as if it's, go it's going into the tunnel as well. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to, for someone to approach you with an idea fully in their head. Other times, at times like this, Aiden's got a bit of a creative input as well, which is nice because then it's, yeah. it's his mark on it as well as the designers themselves as well. So it's a bit more of a legacy for both studios. Yeah. 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 Um, another question is, this is more of a compliment, um, someone asked, do you realise the amount of lives and memories you've created by installing the Buddhas? <laughs> well, it, it's, a, it's a funny thing because, I mean, I go up and I say it's going to cost X amount of money and, and it's nice getting paid for your job. But this is a kind of reward years and years later. You get paid twice almost, you know, you get yeah. paid by the appreciation of people. Um, I, I, I don't know how you and that is it how old you guys are with 25 are you or something. 15. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, well as, as a compliment, you should sound more mature than that. So I always think from when I was a kid, going up and seeing it as like an inspiration, because we've gone to a theme park, that's something our dad's made. So yeah. I can only imagine what other kids think when they go up and see it, where they've got no knowledge of it going into the park and seeing it for the first time. So I, I you know, envy them in that sort of way, you know? Yeah, but I often see it on T-shirts and tea towels and you think oh that's good well I made that and they say yeah. I said well I did yeah. make you know but it's, it's just nice as a legacy you know yeah yeah and I think that image of the faces in particular and the dragon head is so ingrained in people they step into this other world almost when they step into this uh themed set or area and I think that that is being created by the incredible you know sculpturing you've done on this indeed those are the questions uh, for today. If you would like to ask us a question in future, make sure to follow us on Instagram. All the links are in the description. <laughs> Moving over to a newer park in the UK, I'd say, is Poulton's Park, who've started developing recently. 
um, with one of their main developments being the Peppa Pig World um, area. And the work you did on this was the that sort of figures and the some of the set pieces, I believe. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Kind of between 20 and 30 characters to go on. Oh, um, wow. Grampy Rabbit's boat ride and a couple of areas yeah. around the castle mm. um, to tie in with the theming that was kind of already there. Um, so we had to kind of develop ideas from the cartoon 2D drawings as well as tie it in with figures that already existed. So it was a big kind of creative process. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, we, we, we're going to go back to this question. How long, because that's quite a lot of models. It sounds like a lot of models anyway. How long did that take from, once again, planning to finishing all of them? How long did well, that kind of process? Well, they, they gave us about a year and a half to do the whole thing. Oh, wow, we, okay. Well, we started to uh, like give them prices. But by the time they sorted out what they wanted and came back to us, we could only do about, about 30 of them. Mm. But there was a lot more to do as well. So they had to find another company to, to produce the, um, like the other 16 or 20, whatever it was. Yeah. But, well, we would have liked to have made them all. But, but to answer your question, it took about, I would have said, about 20 weeks in, mm. in total oh, wow. from, from pattern making, mould making, casting and painting. One, not, yeah. one of the longer projects then. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the time they say, oh, there's, you know, we've got a whole year until these need to go in. But then the final designs aren't finalised until eight months later. So yeah. you're now a third of what you originally thought you had, you know. So yeah. um, we, we try and encourage them to give us as much time as possible so that we can create as much um, in time for them. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And these two rides are brilliant attractions as i mentioned it's not just a ride it's telling the story and it's got all the characters everywhere mm. um i've only done them personally uh one time but i that is something that's stuck in my memory how much theming and um mm. props and everything was around the rides uh especially that the boat ride you mentioned i believe is the grampy rabbit one that's it yeah yeah like, like um, i think they target the age groups really well the colors and the format are very simple and like very much like their toys and it comes across as well but when it's in a big format. Yeah. It looks really good. If you think about the yeah. way the Americans do theme parks, obviously the word theme in theme parks, Americans do it really well. They go, you know, 100% balls to the wall to get it to get it to a point where it's imaginative and explorative for children. So it's yeah. good, especially newer theme parks like Paulson's Park are encouraging that sort of process, not just so that we've got more work for theme parks, but... Um, yeah so that there's something more theme in the theme parks here in the UK. Yeah. I think that's definitely where, in Great. general, the whole themed attraction industry is going more mm. into the story-driven themed attraction because what rides, there was a phase where it sort of became, this is a ride, we don't need to add theming. But now the rides, everyone's got the rides, it's become, gone almost back in time to where we have mm. an age. It is the themed attraction. Um, and especially, again, I keep, going back to the the incredible dragon river ride um which was my childhood uh, remembering that ride um and and yeah so it was a themed experience not just the boat ride and Sometimes i think that's the, the best place to have theming is arguably the queue for the rides like from say just off the top of my head you go to somewhere like um adventure island in florida or even alton towers on the nemesis ride you're walking around and it's all monster theming and something yeah. to it, it, the mood. it builds up, it builds up the mood before you even get to the ride. 
how to yeah. develop the story before you get on the ride and the story and then, yeah. you get on, then you get on the ride and you experience the rest of the story as yeah. i said you've got to think about the whole experience with this from entering the area to the queue line i mean some rides have sort of a pre-show nowadays where you mm. go and they tell you put the story beforehand and you go on a ride and they tell you the whole story it's about the whole experience i think that's what you've really done yeah. well with your sculptures and i also <clears throat> i also think it's not just for the kids because the kids will see everything and jump on the ride where the adults are, are a lot of standing around where they would appreciate the whole mood of the place and the atmosphere. So it's not just for the kids now. It is for, uh, appreciation for the adults as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that was your construction um, of the models. That took you, you said, 20 weeks? About 20 weeks, yeah. About 20 weeks. Yeah. And how were they constructed? Were they the same as... So, Polly, and then a lot, a lot of mold making for these. So basically, to keep the both from a time constraint point of view, we want to make it as efficient for us to make as possible, and also to keep the cost down as much as possible for the client. We needed to create them in a, in a kind of modular fashion. So we had all the characters of different ages and sizes. We thought, well, all of these characters' bodies can be the same. All of these heads can be the same even the colour palette from the paints. We had about 260 different colours. So it was uh, creating the master patterns from polystyrene, then mould making, creating the production moulds, so that each of the heads, the bodies, and everything else, all the hats and everything like that, could all be replicated in glass fibre and put together in a modular fashion as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, <coughs> that's brilliant how... I don't know, it's again going back to the details and it it's really something when you walk into the Peppa Pig world, you don't just walk straight to a ride, you do wander around and look at everything mm-hmm. because there's so much to look at and I think with the models that is the centrepiece of the area and I think you've done a fantastic job with those. Thank you very much <laughs> and particularly for Peppa Pig where it's so episodical, kids absorb everything like a sponge and they can recognise different scenarios from different yeah. different episodes and moments and all that sort of thing so it's important for us to get it right because the kids will know if it's wrong yeah Yeah. because i mean that that's going to be children's childhood memories as well i mean obviously mine was the dragon river Mm. and now it's going to be this peppa pig world which is sort of the new age of the themed attraction we're hoping it's going to be there for 20 odd years or so so yeah i can see it living (laughs) see see how that goes as well yeah i mean they really maintain everything there down to the T. So yeah, they're doing that particularly well. I think they've learned from the American companies. You know, everything's colour palletted. It's if there's chewing gum or something gets scratched with a key, that night it's replaced and retouched up. So it's looking fresh the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I definitely went into that park and was completely breathtaking about how well kept it is, how everything's perfectly painted and everything. And I think that is that mm. they, they allow the money and the budget and the staffing to be able to do that which is incredible it looks it looks like a really good park um uh, secondly as well you did some of the halloween props and things for the park that's right yeah um, a, giant, a giant um a giant pumpkin in a greenhouse frame and a giant mr skinny legs i think the spider's name was uh, he was uh, on the- uh, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay and i'm assuming that was built similar to the characters out of Poly fiberglass. Yeah. Well, well, they gave us a bit of um, carte blanche on that. They they gave us a drawing, and they said we want this sort of thing, and we was going to have sort of glass in the uh, like in the frame, 
uh, and pushed up against the glass. But we said, well, how about there's no glass and it's actually pushing through the frame now. And it just makes it a bit more dramatic and a bit more impact. So we had the stalk sticking out the top, that sort of thing. You know, it's miles yeah. too big for the actual greenhouse itself, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Adds, that, adds that sort of storyline, funny factor. I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, and yeah. Uh, hopefully that'll be back next year and I'll go see that one. Yeah, well, um, you'd hope it's the kind of thing they can reuse each year, like we yeah, design year. these so that hopefully they can last and um, they can use them as many times as they like, right? you know, yeah. given the fact that they're all taken care of. And, and plus we've made a couple more bits since then, but they haven't been able to use. Oh, okay. Stay, stay tuned for that video. Keep an eye out. Keep <laughs> Park. All right, to summarise then, uh, of course, we've talked about quite a lot of the things you've done over many years, uh, creating many memories for loads of people, uh, millions of people, potentially. What would you guys say your favourite thing you've done is? What was the like the most enjoyable park to work with, the most enjoyable models to do? What would you say was uh, your best? I would have said the Dragon River ride, because that was one of my first um, solo projects. Because yeah. I freelanced for seven years prior to that and then I, I hired out this studio in Luton and then I got this job uh, from Mike, Mike Black, like Blackwood or whatever his name was, uh, um, the head designer and Roger Black. <laughs> Roger Blackwood. Roger Black. Yeah I, I know it's, um, but <laughs> he, he, he said uh, but that was my very first project so that has a lot of memories for me uh, in taking a real chance but yeah. it worked really well so that's yeah. it quite well especially yeah, for the first big landmark yeah as well something that you think this isn't a day or a, a weekend that it's going to be used for this could be a year or two onwards so and yeah. it did last for well this quite, this quite was so iconic in the uk i mean this was the first theme park in britain uh really in the same sort of time as alton towers but this was this was the world of adventures it was the themed environments and the experiences and that, that is what made the park and is still making the park today. And they, they've gone through and refurbished everything recently. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can hear about you working on some exciting projects in the future with the park. Um, I really can see that happening with some new projects. And hopefully, as I said, the industry is going more themed through again. Yeah. So I can't wait to see more it's, of your It's definitely the kind of work that we really want to get back into as well, because nowadays we create a lot of things for theatre, exhibition, businesses, um, even things for people's gardens at home. But it's yeah. the big park that it's the really, the really big sculptural, imaginative things um, that are going it's, outside. It's really creative. That, yeah, that, that really gets our, our juices flowing, to be honest. So it's the kind of work we want to get back into. Yeah, you've done fantastic theme projects. It has been so incredible for me to talk to you guys and for everyone listening or watching on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, it's been an incredible, incredible project. And it's so great to hear how it was put together, which was amazing. So thank you so much for watching this episode. Uh, and next time you go on Oblivion, don't look down.